Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Actualized Self, where in each episode, we highlight world-class creators and solopreneurs who have created small businesses to learn how they started along with the tools, tactic, habits, and routines they employ to grow and monetize their audience. We're going to dive deep on strategy, hacks, and more so they give you practical advice, whether you're thinking about starting a career or a side hustle or whether you're deep in the business already. So today we have a really special guest for those purposes. His name is Roger Osario. Roger is an author, a creator, a podcaster, and founder of the School of Reinvention. And he's got a really, really great book that he's going to talk to us a little bit about. But just a little bit of context on what we're going to be discussing. Roger dives deep on how he developed his own niche and found his own little focus of working with nine to fivers who wanted to start their own passion projects. We're going to talk a little bit about how to chase your curiosity and quote, date your interests before you're deciding whether or not you want to marry them or where you want to pursue or if you want to pursue them further. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the inspiration for his book, along with really practical strategies for getting started and really shifting focus, um, depending on, on who you are and where you want to go. Roger's a really amazing guy. I think we're going to enjoy this conversation quite a bit. So without any further ado, here's Roger. Hi, everybody, and welcome. I'm with my friend Roger today. Roger, welcome. Hey, thanks so much, Mike. Really excited to be here. Uh, we already had a great conversation before on my podcast, so I appreciate you inviting me to join yours. We, we, we sure did. And uh, just a little bit of sort of background and context. This is like a question I always ask, even though it's one I never ask in real life. But when somebody says, what do you do, right? And, and, and what do you do for work? How do you, how do you answer that? Gosh, honestly, that's like for me, one of the most terrifying questions, <laughs> especially like on the journey to reinvention when you're constantly like doing different things. It's like, oh, I don't know what to say today. <laughs> like, what, what am I doing these days? <laughs> so I always, I think, say start by saying, well, these days <laughs> I'm, you know, either teaching math or whatever I was doing. But right now I am coaching people uh, or I should say I'm helping nine to fivers uh, who feel disengaged at work at the moment or unfulfilled with their day job. Uh, I'm helping them to launch passion projects or side hustles so that they don't have to quit their jobs right away. You know, there's a lot of people out there, obviously, we're hearing about the great resignation, but at the same time, it's not like unemployment is like 40% either. So the majority are not quitting. And I want to help that group, you know, who's not quitting. And that's what I work on right now. Uh, awesome. And and if you could, how'd you, how'd you land on that niche? Like, how'd you, it's so specific. It's so cool. It's, it's, a, and it, but it's a very, very real thing, right. That we're sort yeah. of seeing in terms of sort of employee disengagement, um, people not really sort of feeling the nine to five. So how'd you, how'd you fall there? Yeah. So you're getting to that point where it got so specific was only as of this past January. This is something that I have been desperately trying to figure out for like years, actually. I, I got laid off from IBM in 2020. And when I did that, that's when I first started really thinking about reinvention intentionally in terms of like a topic that I could write about, teach about, and all of that. 
Uh, I started, uh, I, I ran a reinvention mastermind for the other people who got laid off with me to prepare them for their next chapter. And in the process, I really started thinking about, you know, the people I could help. My original group, super wide. I basically worked with anybody who had any type of reinvention challenge. So it really didn't matter. It was fun sometimes, and sometimes it was not. Sometimes I realized, oof, that's not really like the thing I want to help with. Or for others, it was like, wow, this case is so amazing. Like, this is the kind of person I like helping. And I did this for about two years, really, like helping uh, since 2020, mid-2020. And it was only January 2023, where I was uh, in a class with a woman named Vanessa Lau. She does this thing called Boss Graham Academy. And in it, in one of the first modules, uh, she says what many people say, actually. It's something I guess I just needed to hear it like 17 times before I finally like listened to it and heard it. The craziest part, by the way, I teach this at entrepreneurship boot camps and all of this. And still, I didn't even think like I, I just found it so hard to get so specific and so niche, even though I push people into doing it and I coach them into doing it. But Vanessa became that voice for me that, you know, became that coach for me where through her work and, um, you know, her being part of her community, I really got it. Like it clicked in a way where I started to see it. And I, that's when I started thinking about, okay, who have I had, first of all, who have I had the most fun working with? And when I thought about that, I realized, you know, there's, um, a few cases I came up with certain clients that I go, Ooh, those are the most fun. And then I try to think, what are their attributes? Like what makes them different, specific, unique, whatever it might be so that I can go find more of them. And as I started thinking about that, it became very clear that it was one, someone who's currently working. I actually used to think my ideal audience was people who were laid off, but I learned very quickly it's not because it really depends. I mean, a lot of people when they're laid off in that moment, they're panicking or they're like really just trying to grab for the next job. They're not in the right mindset to say, I'm going to take this proactive action to help start paving a really new and exciting uh, path in my life. And so that right now it's like, I need health insurance or like I need to pay my rent in a few months and my severance is going to run out. So there's this like desire, yes, to start paving a way in, you know, towards a life that's aligned with their values, passion and purpose. And then there's this screaming need for money. And I can't out scream the need for money. Like at the end of the day, that wins all the time. And so I learned that through working with a lot of clients who were in that laid off situation. And it was really hard unless they had support from someone else, a spouse or something along those lines or a really great severance. It was really hard to stay focused for them to stay focused on reinvention or working on a project, bringing it to life and planting the seeds of reinvention. So reflecting on all of that, I realized it's got to be a nine or fiver. And then as I started doing the research, I realized, hey, now more than ever, we know that there are people not just disengaged, but actively disengaged, i.e. the quiet quitters. And that's how far it's gotten. So I felt like this is the screaming problem that needs to be addressed. These are people who are still employed. And I hypothesized that because in, um, unemployment is not like 40%, that a bunch of them are not quitting. There must be a good reason why they're not quitting. Maybe they need the income. Maybe they're taking care of somebody. I found many cases, actually, it's like infinite reasons why people can't or won't quit. And so that's my sweet spot. And I realized this is where I have the most fun. 
That is that is so incredible, and I, I appreciate you going into into context there about your journey and all the trials that you had to sort of really sort of find it. Um, the piece that you said about mindset makes so much sense, right? Like if people are screaming and they've got this need for money, they're just not sort of think right in the right minds. It's really sort of like, how do I rebrand? How do I position myself? Like, what's the market that I'm trying to serve? And all of those individual pieces. So so that's like so huge and just like i think just so important for people to really sort of know that like if you're going through this or you're struggling with different pieces this is important can you dive in to like the pain points that you're just seeing from people because i feel like this is really going to relate and there's so many people i've sort of spoken to that um feel like they're sort of alone on this journey or don't really sort of connect with um whatever but like what what are you seeing from clients in terms of this sort of disengagement and this thing this orientation they have towards their work yeah you know for the what i uh, there's a lot of things um but a few that really like maybe i see more often um and it doesn't mean that it really is the majority but i hear it more often uh, one is you know i i like the company actually like i really don't have an issue with the company but the team i'm on like that's just not working for me right now and i'm like well that makes sense right especially with a big company there's going to be a lot of different kinds of people and you might not jive or you know click with everyone and that's okay uh, that said, like you may not be able to leave the team right away and you definitely don't want to quit because you're like, the company's pretty good. Like it's not an issue. So, you know, that's, that's sometimes a problem. Uh, other pain points are, you know, people who are doing work that is no longer really interesting to them. So they have other curiosities, uh, and they don't know how to explore those curiosities. So they're like, you know, I do this thing because I do it really well. This is what my degree is in and all of that, but I'm kind of curious about something else. And so when I hear those stories, I always think that's really interesting because they, they 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 know they're very aware of this other curiosity, but they also feel trapped, like they can't explore this curiosity at this time. And then the other thing I notice is that a lot of times people think that in order to explore the curiosity, you must get a job in that curiosity. And I'm like, no, no, you don't have to get a job in that curiosity. You can just explore it. Like you can literally just go test it out, have fun, get involved in a project, design your own project. There are many ways to test a curiosity before you dive like all the way in to that curiosity. So, but when you think that, that becomes a pain point. You feel like there's no other way. And then you ask yourself, how do I get a job in a field that I have zero experience for? And I'm like, yeah, you don't, <laughs> is the answer to that. That's the quick answer is you, you probably don't, unless you know somebody, you don't get a job in that field. And what you do have to do is start some projects, build some experience, get some testimonials. And by the way, verify that you actually like this curiosity before you commit to a full-time job. I'm all about dating interests. I don't want to get married with them on day one. Like that's the equivalent of going up to somebody at a coffee shop and saying, hi, you're pretty cute. You seem interesting. Want to get married like full-time, you know, all in like, it's like, wait, what? No, it's like, how about a cup of coffee? You know, like that's a nice experiment. Um, so find those projects. And I think that those are some of the pain points is when you think that it has to go you have to go all in or there's no other option. That's a massive one that I think gets in people's way. I, I love that analogy. It's it's definitely dating. It's not marriage. It's it's flirting a little bit. It's trying different things. It's getting some data points and saying like, is this a fit? Where is this working? What's it, what's it not? Can, can you get really granular with like some specific examples of how you've helped people do that? Um, and I, I'm thinking back to like our initial call. You gave me a couple of examples, but just for the listeners, like, what are some ways that people can kind of get those data points or just like explore, go a little bit deeper um, to just find like, are, what are the things that I'm really curious about and how do I tap this more? 
Yeah. So, you know, I'll share some like ideas that anyone can practice, but I want to start off with like my story, like one of my, like what I consider perhaps one of the greatest experiments or projects of my life because it led to something really massive. So I spent time four years in the classroom teaching math. I taught two years at a high school, at a public high school in an inner city. And I taught two years at a private school in, in the Upper East Side in Manhattan. Before that, I had my tutoring business for many years. Um, but all of that started with one simple project. What I did was, and it wasn't even because I was testing a curiosity, it was because I was trying to make some extra money and I wanted to figure out how could I make it at a higher hourly rate. And so I thought about, well, what do I know that is worth something? Math, like I know that even though it's not my degree, it was like my favorite subject. I did really well in it. And so I thought I could teach this. And I knew that I could because I used to tutor back in the day, like in college and stuff like that. So I had that experience. So then I put up an ad on Craigslist. I offered my tutoring services. I basically just copied someone else's post. I said, okay, cool. I see what they do. Like, you know, they list the subjects. They kind of put this statement. They have their rate here. So I more or less followed that template. And I said, all right, let me write my own now. And I put my own ad up on Craigslist. And then I waited. And I got the first one, uh, this guy named Patricio from Washington University. He reached out. I'll never forget this guy's name for this reason, actually. And he needed help in game theory. And now the problem was that I learned a big lesson here. When you write that ad, be really specific about the types of math classes. I must have put something that said like university math classes or college level math, um, thinking that I would probably get like college algebra or maybe college calculus as the highest level, which I could handle. But game theory, I was like, I've never done that. But when your first potential client comes calling, you don't want to say no. So I just said, of course, Patricio, I got you. I can help you. We can start right away. Uh, can you send me a copy of your syllabus? And then what I'm thinking in my mind is I got to go find that textbook, buy a copy of it, like a used copy on Amazon, which I did for like 30 bucks. And I just got to like learn game theory one to two weeks ahead of him. Like, that's it. I just got to be good enough to be one to two weeks ahead of him. He is like, a fellow student in my class now, I'm or I'm a fellow student in his, and I am just trying to stay one to two weeks ahead of this kid. So that's all I have to do. And so that's what I did. Like I, I did that. It took a lot of prep for each session. It was way too much work. Three hours of prep for one hour of, you know, actual like work. It was not um, a good deal from a business perspective. It was definitely not scalable, but it was it was fun. I actually enjoyed it a lot. And I actually did not do anything with it. So that was a date, right? I went on a date. I went on a few dates, but then, but no commitments. We're not going steady. We're not going to be a couple. We're not going to be a thing. So I'm just going to like step away for a little while. And I did. I didn't work with anybody after Patricio for like, I think four months or five months. But then I was like, man, that was fun with Patricio. We had a good time. <laughs> you know, that was, that was an interesting like few dates and all that. I wonder if there's an, someone else out there I could find. And I found a job at a learning center where I could just work for them on an hourly rate and then go in after my office hours because I was working a day job. So I was the nine to fiver back then. And I found this thing I could do after I come home from the office and just go to the learning center, which was like five minutes or less from my apartment. So I'd go there after work, spend like three hours, maybe a day, two to three hours a day, maybe total like 10 to 12 hours a week, if that. And I loved it. Man. I loved that. Well, long story short, from there, like eight months after that or so, uh, and I wrote this recently in a blog, uh, um, uh, in an article on my blog at rogerosorio.com, but I ended up like eight months later quitting my job, getting on a path to really like spending more time or trying to figure out how to get closer to teaching math or working with math students in some capacity. Ended up back in grad school, 
you know, uh, started a tutoring business. And then after several years of doing that tutoring business, I got my first break where I got to get into the classroom. And so, you know, it all started with one project. So to answer the question, like, what could someone else do? Maybe it's an ad on Craigslist, or maybe it's an ad on some platform. And you can just offer that skill on your own on the side for fun. You don't have to charge a killer amount. I didn't. I charged $25 an hour for that very first posting. That was it. Didn't charge more than that. It's crazy because when I finished tutoring and like my last tutoring gigs were like in 2016, I think, or 2017, I stopped tutoring on the side and it was only side stuff I was doing back then. I uh, was charging 200 an hour. So like the rate started really low, like really low. But what I would recommend to people, other ideas that you could do to test out an interest, write, commit to writing 10 articles about it. Don't commit to starting a lifelong blog. No, commit to writing 10 articles. In fact, if you don't even want to start the blog site, put it up on like LinkedIn articles. You could put it up there or create a quick little Medium account because that's pretty easy. Like you don't have to do too much website stuff or anything like that. Or if you want, just go to WordPress and, you know, whip up a quick one. The simplest looking blog, literally like nothing crazy. Put a picture of your face somewhere in there, put your name on it, and then just, you know, call it whatever the heck you want to call it based on those 10 articles. But if let's say you're interested in the food space and the culinary space and the whatever, something along those lines, and that's, and you're an accountant. And so this is not your jam normally. Go out and just, you know, like find people to interview, find topics to study and research and simply write articles about them. Write 10, no more than 10. Keep it simple. You want it to be fully defined that it ends relatively soon. You know, this project shouldn't go more than two to three months. And then um, you get to like finish something and see if you still like it or not. Another idea is to do similar to what we're doing, you and I with our podcast, except I think we have longer term goals with it, but you could do a 10 episode series. You can just say, I'm going to do one season of one podcast. That's it. Because I like, uh, I'm not as into the writing, but I do love having conversations. So if I could just record the audio of that conversation, voila, I got that going on. So let's just do that. For other people, it might be, I love video. I love speaking into the camera. Great. Then create a YouTube series. Like just do a, on your YouTube channel based on your Gmail, uh, just create a 10 episode thing. Like just make 10 videos on whatever the heck it is that you like doing and just explore that and share that. These are things that are publicly available. Then that's a key right there. Because what you want to do is there's two things that I, that, that I always tell people you want to do with a project. One is you want to validate your interest in it. Um, actually, there's three things I say. One, validate your interest in it. Two, you want to validate the space. You want to see like, is this a need? Like, is there a market here for something I could eventually do one day or get involved in? But three, this is like the one that I think is actually maybe even more important than the other two, um, or at least as important as the other two combined. And it's to validate yourself to the market. Because if you're going to eventually pursue this thing, you need a reputation, you need a brand. And you want to make sure that people say like, this person is someone in this thing. Like they do the work, at least. They're not certified. It's not a, you know, culinary school trained chef. It's not a, you know, someone who studied food for their entire lives. But you know what? They created a really interesting series of interviews with chefs, food, found, food company founders, and all of these people. Super interesting. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts or a series on YouTube or, you know, an article series that turned into a small book. I mean, right there, you are now way different than every other person who has no experience in cooking or in the food world, who now says, I want to start a company in the food world. People are going to be like, okay, why you? And they'll be able to say nothing. And you'll be able to say, well, I'm doing this kind of stuff. Take a look. It's over here. Let me share the link with you. 
So it's got to be public. I think that is such amazing advice. There's so much, so much like really rich information in there. Um, but building in public, I feel like is just so important for so many different reasons. The feedback that you're getting, the acceleration of learning, the validation of yourself in market. And if you're some one of those lucky people, and I've, I've never been this person, and I think you've had the struggle of well, the niche down right away. But if you are writing on a very sort of specific culinary topic in your area, you're like from an SEO perspective, like you're going to carve out your niche actually pretty soon. Um, and when anybody sort of Googles your name or sort of Googles this sort of really specific thing, guess what they're going to see, right? So I, I feel like there's so much really sort of good information in there. I know we're, we're a little bit tight on time, so I want to turn my attention to you've written this really cool book. Can you talk a little bit about it? Um, yeah. Maybe give us a little bit of teaser along with like what inspired you to, to dive in and do this, this big, big project. Yeah, so the so the book is called The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passions, and Purpose, uh, available wherever you buy books. Um, the, you know, I, I think the easiest way to give a teaser on this is to give you like what I would retitle it if I could. I think I would call it The Courage to Reinvent Yourself. I think that's what I would have called it if I could rename it. And maybe I will for edition two. I might like give it a new title. But that is what the book accomplishes. It, it's really what it gets to. It, there's there are people who have thought about this who or are feeling the pain and have not even considered the solution yet. Bottom line, though, is what they all have in common is that the ideal reader for my book is someone who is afraid to move forward or they don't believe they can or they don't believe that they should because no, but, you know, society says that I'm on the path. I got to move up to the next. I can't do something else unless it's a promotion from where I am. And I'm a director, so it's got to be VP or nothing. Like, you know, I have to do something like that, or I need to make more money in the next thing. I can't make less money. Well, I made less money and became way happier. I think I cut my pay, you know, probably in reality, thinking about how much I earned after I quit my first corporate job to get more into teaching math and, and working with students at the learning center and all of that. I probably gave myself an 70% pay cut at the end of the day. And luckily I had some runway to live off of. I cashed in my 401k, not advisable all the time, but you know, at the time I thought that was the right thing to do. And I took that pay cut, but you know, so while my pay went down by more than half, my happiness more than doubled. So I was like, I think this is worth it. And so the courage to reinvent is, I think, you know, what this book addresses. And I, and what I, what I aim to do with the book is to empower people to step onto step into their own journey to reinvention whatever that might mean it might be something related to your personal life could be something related to your work life and i include a lot of stories in here i open up a lot about my really difficult moments because i want people to know like these things do happen but they don't have to be devastating and when you start walking a journey to reinvention and you start living a life aligned with your values passion and purpose what ends up happening is that you find the difficult moments are not devastating they're still difficult by the way, but they're not devastating. They don't throw you completely off the path. They hurt, but you are able to find a way to move on because you have other areas of your life that are aligned. And I went through a lot of things. You know, I was laid off, fired, uh, divorced. So many things happened along the journey, dumped. I mean, plenty of things happened along this journey that could have knocked me off the path. But I went through a lot to stay on the path. And a big part of it was living a life aligned with my values, passion, and purpose. And so this is probably the key message in the book. And I think that when most people read this book, the number one piece of feedback I get is that that book made me believe I could do this. 
And I was like, awesome and perfect. The book did its job. It doesn't give you all like the strategies and all that. That's book number two. Book number two will go deep into the practical strategies. But I do touch on strategies because I want to help you get started. So I give you like the very beginning strategies, like the fundamental ones. I don't want to overwhelm with like really advanced strategies. That is awesome. And I think getting started is by far the hardest part for most people. Um, so I, I love the, that you have the sort of focus in there and you've got them sort of inspired and you're lighting this fire under them to like, go take action and, and do the hard thing. Because I think that's the, the trickiest part and the way that you're weaving in your own journeys and all the sort of struggles that you've had and really sort of leveraging that pain for, for good, the good of other people, I think is a really awesome and inspiring thing. Ro Roger, where can people find you? Uh, so they can find me at rogerosorio.com. There you'll be able to learn more about coaching, my book, all of these things combined. I do some speaking as well. And so all of that is there. There's also my blog. I'm posting every week, you know, different ideas related to basically how to get onto a path where that's aligned with your values, passions, and purpose. Uh, finally, like find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the platform that I yeah. use the most. I'm also on Instagram. LinkedIn, Instagram, Roger Osorio is the handle. So I can be found usually on that handle for almost almost every platform, including Twitter. Awesome. Roger, thank you so much for your time. No problem. My pleasure, Mike. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Great speaking with you.